Hi, my name is Melanie B. Hyland from Norman, Oklahoma, and I belong to the Tornado Alley chapter of Sisters or Siblings in Crime, a national organization dedicated to education for mystery and crime writers of all genders. The Tornado Alley chapter sponsors this podcast to support and promote local and regional writers, whether they are well-established or emerging. Our guest today is editor and award-winning author Stacy Monty of Oklahoma City. In 2021, Stacy published Death by Dice, the first book in her new Bunko Club mystery series. A freelance short story and technical writer, Stacy is also a professional editor with her own business, Prestige Prose, and the author of a devotional series. Stacy holds a BA in English and a master's degree in secondary education, although she resides in Oklahoma City, where she's the owner of a new puppy that keeps her very busy. She grew up and spent most of her life in southwestern Oklahoma. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you for having me today. Well, we are so glad that you're here. And you are a very versatile and successful writer and editor. But since this is a mystery writers podcast, could you tell us about how you became interested in creating your new novel series? Yes, I would love to talk about that. I have always loved mysteries. When I was a kid, I read Nancy Drew. I would imagine myself as one of the characters. And so that's something that I've always really enjoyed, uh, reading mysteries, uh, watching them on TV. And so I wanted to write one, too. And the Bunko Club aspect of my book came from uh, a friend, actually, who is a member uh, or used to be a member of a Bunko Club because a cozy mystery is supposed to have a a small knit, uh, small close knit community. The Bunko Club seemed like it was made just perfectly for that setup. Well, I had to, I had, to, I have to admit that I had to go online and read about Bunko, but I, I understand that it's made quite a resurgence, and it's a popular game, and and you play it with what like sixteen people and and in foursomes, and so um, it it is fun. I mean, it sounds fun in the novel as you as you present it. Well, I really liked your character, Bridget. She's, she's very independent, and she's introspective, yet her strengths have kind of a, a flip side, that she has some old wounds. She has some flaws that affect her behavior and her thinking. So I think most readers would find her very relatable. She's not a superwoman. She is a smart woman, though, and, uh, and a good detective, as it turns out. Uh, What aspects of fiction writing did you find most rewarding as you expanded into doing a novel after doing shorter works? Well, thank you for that. Um, I do hope that she is relatable. And um, I really enjoyed the character development. Um, That's one of my strengths, uh, even in my shorter stories, which up to this point, I've just written short stories or devotional entries, which are short. Um, But the... um, the part of this that that I struggled with the most, I think, was the plotting, uh, because there's so much more to uh, a novel's plot than to a short story. But the character development is something that I really enjoyed, and diving into the character, doing character interviews, learning more about her, learning more about the um, 
secondary characters as well to make them uh, so they're not just flat characters. I really did enjoy that and writing about the relationships, how they interacted, and how they played off of each other. Well, I I really enjoyed it. It's a it's a good read, folks. And since we've talked about your novel, would you please read us a selection so that our listeners get an idea of your style and your voice and the character's voice? Yes, I would be happy to. I'm going to start with chapter two. Monday, I balanced my to-go cup of lukewarm tea in one hand and my wallet in the other as I struggled to get the key in the door without dropping anything. I had overslept that morning, but still made it to the bank before everyone except Carol. Her car already sat in the parking lot when I arrived. Muttering about how I hated Mondays, I sighed in frustration and set my cup of tea and wallet on the ground. A wisp of hair escaped from my ponytail, and the warm Texas wind blew the strand into my eyes. Tucking it behind my ear, I turned my attention back to the door and finally slid the key into the opening. The alarm blared a warning as I pulled the door open. I picked up my tea and wallet and moved inside, tripping over something blocking the entryway. I grabbed for the wall to right myself, and my tea flew from my hand and scattered all, splattered all over me and the floor. Arr! I scowled and swiped at my wet shirt. At least I'd worn black today. The tea wouldn't stain it. The dimness of the hallway obscured the obstruction, and the beeping of the alarm sped up. I punched in the alarm code on the pad next to the door and flipped on the light. Carol! She lay sprawled on the floor, her brown eyes staring blankly at the ceiling. I blinked, taking in the brown liquid that covered her. The tea would definitely stain her white blouse. Then, noticing the bright crimson pool on the floor next to her, I sucked in a breath. Blood? Oh, Lord! My chest tightened as tears pricked my eyes. I knelt and grabbed her wrist to feel for a pulse. Her skin was still warm under my fingertips. Maybe I wasn't too late. I dumped the contents of my wallet out beside me, frantically searching for my phone. With shaking hands, I grabbed it and punched in my password. Buzz! Rejected. I tried again, biting my lip and punching one button at a time. My home screen came to life and I clicked the phone icon and dialed. 911, what's your emergency? A woman's voice said. This is Bridget Olson at the Rowandale Bank. There's blood and my friend Carol. Tears slid down my cheeks and my throat threatened to close. I'm dispatching emergency services now. Stay on the line. I, okay. While the dispatcher talked, I made agreeable noises to let her know I was still there. Taking Carol's hand, I squeezed it. Hang on, help is on the way. Ms. Olson, you should hear the sirens any moment now, the dispatcher said a few minutes later. And I did. The EMTs pulled up to the sliding glass front doors. I entered the code to unlock it and motioned them inside. As I reached the bank's lobby, a short man with a dark beard and a tall woman with a long blonde ponytail rushed inside. She's unable to speak further. I pointed to the hallway. Lord, please let Carol be okay. In the hallway, the female tech dropped to her knees and felt for a pulse. After a few moments, she shook her head and said something to her partner, who was now beside her on the floor. She stood and approached me. I'm sorry, but she's gone. There's nothing we can do. We'll call the medical examiner and wait with you till he gets here. Gone? No, she couldn't be. I'd just seen her the night before last. Anguish swept over me, and a sob escaped my throat. My brain refused to accept it, and a cold chill settled over me. I rubbed my arms as tears ran down my face. I had to get out of here. The clock above the teller station showed five after eight. Only 15 minutes had passed since I'd found Carol. The other employees would arrive soon. 
I averted my eyes from my friend's lifeless body as I hurried out the front doors and around the building to intercept my co-workers. Lord, what happened? Why Carol? My silent prayers continued. Not long after I'd moved back to Rowandale two years ago, Carol Emmett came into my life. I'd found a job waitressing so I could leave Dallas and my problems there. The restaurant I worked for catered a fundraiser for the Rowandale Public Library, where Carol served on the board. Carol and I chatted about the fundraiser, chatted at the fundraiser about her work at the bank, and when a teller position came open a couple of months later, I took it. I needed more reliable hours and the money to pay for my tuition while I finished my college degree. I rocked on my heels by the back door, wrapping my arms around my waist. My body shivered despite the warm sunshine. Carol was gone. But how? Why? A police car pulled into the lot and parked, and Elena and her partner, Detective Garrett Keyes, stepped out and walked toward me. Working as a liaison had been great for my friendship with Elena, but I didn't know much about her partner, Garrett, other than he was single and had the most amazing blue eyes. Well, and this does turn out to be kind of a bad Monday for Bridget, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> she She's not looking forward to it, but little did she know. And uh, But Garrett walking into her, her life becomes interesting. Yes. So, so there's some romance in the story, too, just to spice things up a little bit. It's, it's, um, it's a wonderful read. Thank you. And it's not surprising to me after your re- after reading your book that you've won a lot of the OWFI Oklahoma Writers Federation awards, which are very highly prized here and in the region. And uh, not all of your awards have been for fiction. And so, would you talk to us about your awards and some of the things that have been meaningful to you? Yes. Um, I won first place for my blog in 2019, and this book actually placed second in the unpublished book category in 2019 before I published it. So that was very exciting and showed that I was on the right track with my story. So that was really great to get that feedback. Well, and with those awards, you do get some feedback from the judges and stuff that's really helpful. Yes, that's true. And I've known a lot of people who were, you know, like runner-ups and so forth in contest and went on to publish a, you know, award-winning novel or something, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, so that that's great. I love that story. And, and you've won, and your blog, what is your blog about? My blog is about, it's a devotional format, mm-hmm. uh, and I write a lot just about everyday things. Uh, a lot about my dog, uh, my new dog, Charlie. My uh, He's a, a mix between a Yorkie and a Schnauzer, a Snorky, I believe they're called. And, uh, and my dog that I had that passed away in March. She was a Yorkie. Her name is was Lily, and a lot of my blogs are about her, our adventures that we had together, lessons that I learned from her, things that God taught me through her, and just about my family and friends, other pets um, that I've had through the years, maybe uh, other pets that my brother and his wife have. Uh, so that's, uh, and my blog, as I mentioned, is set up as a devotional blog. So there's a Bible verse, there's a, a story, and then there's a, a short lesson, and then a prayer. And most of them are around um, between four and 800 words. Well, and that's that was what I was going to ask you next was I knew that you used um, your pets as part of your writing in in your devotional. And so is that the format 
of the published work that you've done as as inspirational writing and devotional. Yes, it is. I started my blog in 2011, and it was a way to practice my writing on a consistent basis. And as I I continued with that over the years. In 2017, I decided to take some of those entries and put them together in a book, um, a 30-day devotional. And so maybe half of those entries are from the blog, but then I also wrote some new ones and put that together. Now I have six published devotionals, and they're all based on that same format from the blog. Oh, well, well, that's great. And I think I think animals do tell us so much about ourselves and about life and slow us down when we need to slow down and and let us know what's important. So that that makes sense to me as a pet owner. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, you are also an editor and you run your own press. Uh, not press, but you you have your editing business, Prestige Prose. And I know that you've helped a lot of other people who are trying to publish, and that you help you edit in a number of different ways. Depend and so, um, tell us something about uh, about the people that you've helped and some of the success you've had, and um, as. Um, as you've been a, an editor. All right. Well, I uh, edit a lot for a lot of self-publishing authors, uh, a lot of first-time authors, and I have edited at all levels of the editing spectrum, uh, some developmental editing, which is the big picture, high-level editing, where we look at the plot, look for gaps in, in the plot and character development and things like that. Um, I do a lot of copy editing and proofreading and actually proofread for a small Christian press. And uh, a couple of my of the books that I have proofread have gone on to win awards. Um, one won a silver award in the writer-publisher category of the Independent Book Awards. Uh, that one was by Nikki Hanna, and I'm really proud of, to have been on the team for that one. And another one won first place in the nonfiction published book category. That one's by Chrissy L. Witten, and I'm also very uh, proud to be on her team as well. Those are some really exciting wins. Well, we all need a proofreader and an editor. I mean, that just goes without saying that we don't create all of this in a volume. We, I mean, a, a vacuum is what I meant to say. Um, we need other people. We need readers. We need uh, people who comment, and we don't catch all of our own mistakes. <laughs> um, so you were talking about publishing independently, and you did publish this novel yourself independently. And I think there was there were things that were important to you about choosing that route, although you had you have been published traditionally. Yes, that's true. I, I had a short story published in Chicken Soup for the Shopper's Soul. Uh, that was the first thing that I had published. It was very exciting, and I actually almost stopped writing after that because I didn't know where to go from there. Uh, and that was back in 2006. That was before self-publishing had really taken off um, and well before it became something that was um, not looked down upon. And so when I first started publishing my devotionals uh, in 2017, I decided to self-publish as an experiment. Um, they're shorter than you would find from the uh, that a, than a traditional public publisher, excuse me, traditional <laughs> publisher would uh, produce, and so I just wanted to see if there was any interest in a shorter devotional like that, and 
then I enjoyed the process so much, I just continued doing that. And when it came to my novel, I decided to take that same route because there were el- there are elements in that book that I didn't want to lose. Things like the main character going to church, reading her Bible. She struggles with her faith, and she and her friend have discussions about her doubts and those struggles. And The reason most people end up self-publishing is because they want to maintain control, and that was my reasoning as well. I did have a small press interested, but I didn't want to lose those elements. I wanted to make sure those remained, and so that was why I did that. I I read the novel, and in my opinion, one doesn't need to be a person of faith to, to read this novel. The character is a person of faith. And it, this is what creates, I think, her introspection. She's thinking, what am I afraid of? Or how can I, I don't want to talk to this person, but okay, well, maybe I should. And so it's just the kind, the kind of things we all can relate to. It doesn't necessarily have to be put in that Christian context, but I think that um, you know, anyone anyone could relate to what she goes through in her thinking process. It has a, a character who is devout, and but it doesn't have a character who knows all the answers. That's for sure. That's um, right. Yes, and thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. So uh, back to back to fiction writing. <laughs> uh, who are some of the some of the models or some of the people you revere as uh, as fiction writers that you know that that made you want to write an entire novel? Well, there's a, a whole list, but <laughs> I'll just I'll just go with a few. Um, Mary Higgins Clark is one of my all time favorites. When I was in high school, I did this was back when we did book reports, and I uh, did a book report on a novel by Lois Duncan, and my. T- English teacher thought that I would probably enjoy Mary Higgins Clark. And so she recommended one of her books to me. I was about 14 years old and I loved it. And I read everything she had out to that point and continued to follow her over the next several decades. And then, um, after I found that genre and realized how much I enjoyed reading her work, um, I found Sue Grafton. Um, I think I was a junior in high school when I found her and actually got in trouble in chemistry class for reading her book instead of paying attention to the lecture because science really was not my favorite subject, but give me a book and I, I'm easily distracted. And um, I just, I loved the character and following her, uh, her arc over the course of all those novels. It just never got old. Um, Janet Ivanovich is another one with her Stephanie Plum uh character. And Christy Barrett, she's a Christian um, author, writes uh, suspense and also cozy mysteries. And I found her just a few years ago, actually. And that really gave me the boost I needed to think, okay, I can do this too. This this is a really great example of what I want to do. And uh, so those are just a few of the ones that I've really uh, followed over the years. 
Well, that's that's a pretty wide range. I, I'd like to bridge it to meet Stephanie Plum. Yes. I think that'd be hilarious. <laughs> it would. <laughs> um, well, in addition to your work as an editor and a writer, you volunteer and you work with other writers. And uh, you are a past president of OWFI, and we're glad to have you as a member of the Tornado Alley chapter of Sisters in Crime. Tell us about your work that you've done as a volunteer and, and how you've worked in writing organizations and what what benefit you see in that. Okay, yes. Um, I have been a member of OWFI for over a decade. I'm not even sure how long exactly. <laughs> and I started out just being a member, just joining um, uh sending material to the contest every year. And then I got more involved around 2016, 2017, um, worked on some committees, got to know a little bit more about the inner workings and really got to know more of the people at OWFI. And then, uh, as you mentioned, I was president in 2019. I've also served as a judge, and I've been involved in the Oklahoma City Writers. Uh, for as long as I've been a member of OWFI, I've served as a judge for them as well and in various capacities. And I just really enjoy helping other writers. And I think that these, the benefit of these groups, it has really helped me to get to learn more about the craft of writing, but also just the networking aspect has really probably been the biggest benefit to get to know other writers and to learn what they're doing and how that has influenced my work. Well, and we met at the OWFI con um, conference this yes, year. Yes, we did. And I met a lot of writers there. That was really fun. That was my first time to go. So uh, you're an old hand and I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of a newbie here. Thank you so much for your interview today. Uh, I wonder if you could briefly tell our listeners where they can find your books, your blog, and your other publication. Give us some ideas of where we could find your writing. All of my books are on Amazon. The ebook versions of the devotionals are also on smashwords.com. Um, and then my website is where you'll find my books and also my blog and that's stacymoney.com and that's where you can find even the older publications I have a listing there on my website. Well, today's interview with Stacy Moni is being recorded Friday, October the 21st, 2022 in the Maker Lab studio of Pioneer Library Central Branch in Nor Norman, Oklahoma. It will be published Friday, November 18th, 2022 on Buzzsprout, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcast. And thank you for being here today. It was a great pleasure. Thank you for having me.